Welcome to the Win Yang podcast number two. My name is Alina Win, and I'm here with my best friend Kayla Yang. Yes, I'm here. Um, I don't know why I'm so awkward because usually Alina's the introvert, but she's starting us off today because um, because I didn't want to do the introduction. So. Oh my god. Okay, so it's Friday night for us because um we have some things going on tomorrow, so we weren't able to film on Saturday. But by the time um podcasts are being recorded a week before they are actually put up. So this is delayed for whoever is listening to our podcast, which actually might be a lot of people because a lot of people on both sides for, like our friends and stuff have been like, claiming they will listen to it yes okay i know uh, like my boyfriend and a lot of my close friends i am well i know two of them are willingly going to listen to it but the other i'm <laughs> the others i'm going to force them <laughs> so we can get um money from them <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> i wasn't Anyways, I'm just super tired. Like, I had a math midterm this morning, and I don't know, I've been studying a lot. It's like midterms week, like, was last week for a lot of people at UC mm-hmm. schools. Yeah. And I am just so tired. I just skipped my chem lecture today because I just didn't want to go. And I, I had. You literally remind oh. me, I have a math lecture I need to watch later. I need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am taking an art and architecture class right now, and I had an essay due this evening. Um, How'd that go? But it was okay. Like, I wrote it in, like, two hours. Okay, the thing about it was, like, I'm not going to pronounce – I can't pronounce the names right, but, mm. the like, this sultan named it a building after himself, and the prompt was, like, what are the good qualities of, the like, the name? Like, Qualon or something mm. and I thought we were talking about the building but apparently the prompt was talking about the sultan oh, and the reason why I thought we were talking about the building for the prompt is because this is probably so boring but it's, a, <laughs> it's an art and architecture class anyways I thought I'd go into it talking about like how tired I've been from school into like the mercury retrograde but I don't yeah, know I mean, how smooth of transition that was um but Alina, please tell me how you're feeling during this time. Um, okay, so literally last weekend when Kayla and I were recording the first podcast, we had already been talking about how last weekend specifically when it was happening was really just not good for, at least for me. And I just remember Kayla was also kind of not feeling super hot either and then everyone around me like I kept asking like friends back from home like uh university friends here like we all be saying that we're having a bad weekend (laughs) wasn't until um I think was it you who sent me that TikTok or did I I think so I think yeah it was a TikTok saying like um how we're 
Mercury Mercury's in retrograde. Like I've always heard that in the past. I've never known what it means, but I feel like astrology has become a lot more popular. Mm-hmm. Is that astrology? Yeah, astrology has become a lot more yeah. popular over the past year just because um, people are on a spiritual journey. <laughs> and I think that like, I don't know, I have to agree though. Like I've been really exhausted this week, like last mm-hmm. weekend. Um, I could barely get out of bed. And I know Alina wakes up at like the crack of dawn and she was struggling getting out of bed i don't wake up as she gets up at like 6 a.m i get up around like 8 or 9 which is early for some people but that's like my everyday that's like late for alina but yeah (laughs) i like i slept in i slept like i woke up at like 10 o'clock but i didn't get out of bed until like 1 p.m which is so unlike me i literally laid in bed forever and I've been doing, like, every single morning this week, it was such a struggle to wake up, mm-hmm, even though mm-hmm. I was getting the same amount of sleep as I always have, mm-hmm. uh, except for last night, because I had to cram for my exam, but <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to sleep tonight, because it's Friday, and I've just been doing a lot of work late at night for the past school week, and I get to sleep in tomorrow, which is really nice. Heck yeah. It's also, um, is it President's Day on Monday? Is that the holiday? Yeah, we get a three-day weekend let's go which is really nice I didn't even realize that (sighs) yeah it's just yeah I mean Kayla's right because like well the retrograde itself if anyone didn't know it's just literally in the sky it looks like mercury is going backwards it just has something has to do with its road its own revolution around the sun and then like our rotation so it just looks like it's going backwards it's not really but in connection to astrology apparently Whenever Mercury's in retrograde, it's, like, bad vibes for, like, everybody. Yeah. And I saw something that was, like, oh, like, a loved one could be getting cut off from your life, like, oh, soon. Like, in, Jesus. Like, obviously, it's just, like, a TikTok, and, like, you don't trust everything you see on social media or the internet, because they could just be lying. But, you know, the For You page never lies. So, yeah. it was kind of spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it also has to do with, like, for our schools, we're in, like, yeah, we're in uh, midterm season, which is, like, week five to seven, and we just ended week six, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's the end of week six. We're entering week seven on Tuesday. This is such a random thought, but what if we made a TikTok for the podcast? I'd be okay with that. Okay, no, I was literally going to ask you, um, because we don't have any, like, mode of communication specifically for this podcast because it's not mm-hmm. like what the way anchor is like they can leave people can leave comments if they want you know so i mean i'd be Ooh, down. i just okay i made a lot of british a lot of british girls just followed me on instagram so i can have them listen to the podcast oh my god like on, on instagram there was like okay we're talking a lot about tiktok but there was like this trend mm. where it was like get added to hype group chats i got added to one because i dropped my at in the comments Aww. and literally every single girl is like 13 and from the uk <laughs> so if i because you know the whole point is like oh hype me up hype the podcast up you Heck know yeah oh God. hopefully i don't know <laughs> i don't know what they think though because like what is british humor other than like making fun of school shootings yeah 
don't know. We <laughs> okay. I I saw a TikTok, but it's so true. But I never feel so the most American when it comes <laughs> to the UK. Like it's just I don't know. I think it's just a a general ignorance that both America and you know. Just other also powerful countries have regarding each other because obviously like yes. you and me, Kayla, we're not like the average American. But it does bother me when like no, I am not the same American you are thinking this entire country is. So yes, it is offensive to me when you yes, pin this shit on me. Like no, <laughs> it's very offensive when Europeans or like just people from other countries are like, oh, Americans are so stupid oh because i thought like an australian kid on a cruise said to me like oh americans are so stupid oh because i thought someone from a country who literally like badgers their indigenous people said something like literally every country like let's talk about canada (laughs) the whole perpetuating like mask of like oh canada people are really nice they're like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all about being neighborly and friendly but like Mm -hmm. what about like the history of canada and how they hide like how they treat like the indigenous people there yeah yeah it's just like a lot of countries mask what's truly going on america is just bad at masking the (laughs) truth of what a terrible country it is like a lot of countries that bully america they're not better they're just Mm -hmm. better at hiding it that's so true no literally it's just because we're the biggest you know so it's easier to see oh what's that k-pop reference i saw oh somebody said that like it's easy to target like bts's fandom because there's so fucking many of them so of course Mm -hmm. there looks like there's more bad apples in their fandom because there literally are but in proportion you know to the whole it's the same for any other fandom it's still like that like few fucking people mm-hmm. and you're like what the fuck so it yeah it applies to countries too sorry that's my analogy okay, k-pop I to po- how world you, politics yeah, you just used a k-pop analogy <laughs> uh, it makes sense in that's my just, head bro <laughs> it, oh, no it makes sense in real life it just depends on like if people listening even know what k-pop is but we're gonna do like a k-pop podcast all about it because back in the day alina and i were like really big fans we still are fans back in the day back in the day aka two to three years ago yeah we were obsessed like Mm -hmm. alina literally wore like the name jungkook on her back at one point i think oh my god that was what oh that was so what a moment we all had to have that moment once I never had that moment because my mom never let me buy anything off Amazon. Um, but Alina, I think she had like the trademark like BTS merch off of Amazon where it's mm. like their logo on the front and then on the mm. back is a member's name with a, yeah. like a number. And at the time, Anyways. here's my bias, but it's not accurate now. And also, I wore, I literally it's wore it funny. once and then I never could again. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, we could talk about some other time, but I guess what what basically happened is we went from, like, being really hardcore fans to, like, it's a lot more casual now. I don't know. We don't have the I same timer energy to, yeah. <laughs> like, I went from, like, watching BTS funny compilations to reading, like, NCT's. <laughs> 
and, and then, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it was a complete 180. And I think it really happened when I started to see, like, how racist a lot of K-pop idols are. Yeah. Like, and just, mm-hmm. like, like homophobic. And, like, I just, I don't know. Like, um, I don't even, the, the leader of, like, this one girl group, like, G-Idol, mm. I think she had said something racist. I mean, I don't know. I guess they all say something mm-hmm. racist at least once in their careers, but <laughs> when I saw that, it really made me think, like, wow, like, there's so much cultural appropriation, even, like, from, like, our favorite artists, like, even BTS, yeah. like, they've appropriated, like, cultures, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to hold them accountable, and it sucks because, like, almost every single group has done it, except for, like, the newer groups because they know better in this day and age, but, like, mm-hmm. when you think back in the past... Like, have things really changed, or are they just afraid to be controversial? Yeah, it's like, okay, just to preface this, it's weird because, like, I don't know, I like to make the distinction that we are Southeast Asian, we are not East Asian, <laughs> nor are we Korean, but mm-hmm. it's it's more like, it's strange to watch, like, some, like, someone like your distant cousin, like, who is fellow POC, like part you know like making mistakes and and actions that that are questionable <laughs> and you're I don't know yeah and you're like why are you doing that <laughs> like um like I don't know a big thing about like being a southeast asian fan like of k-pop is just like how carry like k-pop agencies like treat southeast asian people in general yeah and like that really changed asians it really shifted like my perspective of like Mm -hmm. k-pop as a whole and it's like do Mm -hmm. i really want to be be supporting something that like masks all these really bad things and i guess every entertainment agency like even in america there's really dark secrets a lot of people Mm -hmm. like really struggle with like mental health and eating disorders Mm -hmm. as a result of like I don't know acting or something but Mm -hmm. it's just unfortunate and it's like how are you supposed to enjoy like consuming like a movie if you Mm -hmm. know that the actors like hated filming it yeah yeah like do you want to just stick on this topic we we have like this whole list, but you know, let's just go with a natural flow. And Okay. Because it mix it does mix into like politics too. So in a way. So long story sure. short, um I guess you could say one thing that I've no me and Kayla have noticed as like fans over the years is that there's like different stages most fans reach. It's like the beginning, your first group. Maybe you become a multi-stand, and then it's, like, the reality check. And that's when you start learning more about K-pop as an industry than just, like, a genre of music or something fun. And and then it's, like, being self-aware of being a fan of K-pop and then understanding where this industry is, like, getting its resources from and, like, how they're, like, you know doing everything and running everything I guess you could say it's like a self-awareness of like how you're consuming this content and realizing that k-pop is quite literally like not rainbows and sunshine it doesn't define the country of Korea as a whole too which is like a different thing because like 
for a little off topic, but it's like the same with like Japan and anime. Like yeah, anime like the dark secrets. Mm-hmm. Like anime is quite literally used as like the scapegoat or like you know the thing that covers up and distracts everyone from like the history that Japan has like done and like terrorized the Asian continent like during World War Two and like all this stuff and. I wouldn't say K-pop is necessarily doing the same thing, but it's like emulating the same kind of energy um, because mm-hmm. it makes people think that Korea and like Korean people culture in general yeah. is like this godlike thing, which is like <laughs> not true. <laughs> it, it's like odd to me because it holds like Koreans to a really high standard compared mm-hmm. to like all other Asian ethnicities like mm-hmm. I don't know I think it's weird the way like non-Asian like specifically non-POC k-pop stands aka white k-pop stands how they perceive like idols because I know a lot of them are like obsessed with like the idea of being Korean and the idea of like mm-hmm. moving to Korea and like yeah starting a YouTube channel with your Korean boyfriend and like making cute little couple videos but it's mm-hmm. odd like how normalized Asian fetishization is in our like culture especially yeah. American culture yeah. just because mm-hmm. of like I don't know I feel like the stereotype of America is like conservative old white men and mm-hmm. when you think of it a lot of those old conservative white men have Asian wives <laughs> and <Yep. laughs> it's I don't know I think the weird thing about when I see like when I meet a really like kind of racist white man who's married to like a person of color or specifically an Asian woman like how they perceive me and like this mm-hmm. is so off topic but like (laughs) i feel like a lot of uh like americans still like resent like asians for the vietnamese war and it's like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) like that's a really heavy topic and i don't know if i want to get into it right now but i know that my mom's boyfriend's dad like has a weird thing for her because he is goes on and on about the Vietnamese war even though my mom and I are not Vietnamese (laughs) and it's just I don't know it's just the way like where were where was I I was talking about how Koreans are viewed at a higher standard okay you're fine dude just overall like I don't know I feel like Koreans know that they can get away with it like they know that they're a high, like a higher standard. They know that they can get money from tourism because like that part of Asia is desirable. Like the K dramas, mm-hmm. the K pop. Like mm-hmm. people want to visit Korea for the aesthetic, and like mm-hmm. obviously a lot of people want to travel to certain places because it's pretty. Mm-hmm. But like it doesn't really emasculate the truth of like. Asia and like its history because like obviously you want to go to like Korea but you like subconsciously you tie Koreans in with this impossible ideal of like the perfect Asian like the acceptable Asian Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like I feel like a lot of people don't realize that they're like leaving out other East Asians like 
Japanese people and like Korean people are really sought after because of K-pop and anime, which is a really odd mm-hmm. and fetishization. Mm-hmm. But like people like, I feel like Chinese people get hated on a lot, especially in America. Like yeah. even though they're East Asian, like I feel like East Asians are always talked about. I don't know mm-hmm. in the Asian community, like. It has to do with, like, how Koreans are tied with, like, K-pop, Japanese with anime. I just repeated everything I just said. But Chinese people, like, the thing they're known for in America is, like, Chinese food. Maybe Chinese movies and dramas. But, like, it's the way that you tie these items in your head. And, like, when you think of Chinese food, you think of, like, cheap and greasy like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's fast food or something Mm -hmm. but when you think of like k-pop and like k-pop you think like oh they're so beautiful they are stunning and then with anime it's like oh it's so cool it's like futuristic it's ahead of its time and like the same thing with southeast asian countries like what is the first thing people think of when they think of a vietnamese person <laughs> or or the Filipino guy. <laughs> and like also like okay, I don't know. Filipino like stereotypes. I'm not Filipino, but like it's just like they're good singers. Mm. Like that is not too bad, but it's also <laughs> <laughs> that's not that I bad think, when it comes yeah. to stereotyping. Yeah. But I mean there's probably other going... existing ones that are really bad. Yeah. I think well you already touched on that, but like Besides, like, if pho is, like, an example of, like, a good connotation, like, a positive association, mm-hmm. then, like, obviously, like you said, a negative one would be, like, the Vietnam War for, like, an older generation or something. And I don't know. You're right. I never thought of it like that. But it's quite literally, like, we gave – we, as in, like, America and Western countries, um, mm-hmm. you know, who are more, like, the center of power now, it's, like – America had given like Korea and Japan like a gold star of approval in like Mm -hmm. our standards but then like it's not like China's any different you know like they're literally just like Mm -hmm. across the border (laughs) and like you know they are also still a powerful country they do have a lot of things going on but it's because they're you know they're communist and because they're competitive you know how like that's a thing that like do you remember this like in like middle school and stuff like that oh my god I literally remember our social studies teacher saying how like do you know who I'm talking about (laughs) Mm -hmm. I literally remember him being like yeah it's gonna be really hard for you guys because when you guys are older like you're gonna have to be competing with like a lot of international like people like a lot of Chinese (laughs) I remember that I just remember being really offended by this teacher. I mean, I liked him, like, in middle school. But now that I look Mm. back on it, like, he was kind of a bit off, one could say. Yeah. He was very politically Mm -hmm. open. But he was, like, moderate, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But when he talked about, like, how, (laughs) like, smart Asian kids were, I knew it was a red flag. (laughs) Like, Like... even though it can be true in some aspects, but, like, specifically, like, international Asian kids, or Asian students, I should say, Mm -hmm. like, how much 
harder they have to work and like the standards are so different like in let's say like a Chinese school or like a mm-hmm. Korean school like it's so fast paced and it's so difficult like I couldn't survive in that kind of school environment yeah. and like yeah. this is so off topic but like no, I just fine. finished a K-drama it's called True Beauty <laughs> and literally in every K-drama I watch the girls are so dumb and they literally just perceive like the main protagonist that's a woman they always make her stupid and they're always like oh she'll never get into college and that ties into how hard school is in Korea because I don't like like it's so hard and it's so competitive especially over there and like this kind of ties in with the model minority myth yes we're bringing up big words because it like I don't know I feel like a lot of Asians, specifically East Asians, I'm not East Asian, and if an East Asian disagrees, they can call me out, but a lot of East Asians really give in to the model minority myth, which is that Asians are smart, they're elite, they're the best people of color in the world, because they are just Mm. so fast-paced, and they, like, are the example that all people of color should follow. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it puts, like, black and Latino people down just because of, like, systematic differences in our education mm-hmm. system and just in our socialization as a society. Yeah. It just, it feels like if we go back to, like, like a teacher giving, like, their children gold stars, it feels like. <laughs> we literally let the white people we let white people like give Asians a gold star and like oh my god you're the best POC <laughs> I'm like I don't know <laughs> that's it's just kind of like dog. I don't know I feel like in a classroom where it's really predominantly white there's at least one token Asian one token black one token mm-hmm. Latino and yeah. they're very I don't know it's just the way like how teachers treated me differently from other Mm. students like I wouldn't do anything in class I would sit there on my phone Mm. and they'd be like oh like at the student teacher conference they tell my mother like oh I love Kayla perfect student I want all my students to be like her and it's literally because I was quiet and like I got okay grades for like basically doing nothing but I mean a lot of other kids did that but like they specifically praised me and I feel like Alina got that more in school than I did just because instead of like she like did her work she was like a better student than I was but I mean I did my work too I'm not saying I'm a terrible student but Kayla was literally an A student so she needs to shut up I like no but Alina like the difference between Alina and I we're both A students but Alina like is your stereotypical Asian nerd. She loves anime. She loves K-pop. She takes yeah. she like reads books in between class, knocking into lockers cuz she's reading her book walking down the hallway and she's just oh. like I don't know. Like she's your little cute little Asian girl oh and that's God. why so many white boys at our high school loved her. Oh god. Oh good transition. <laughs> but like it's because I literally exuded the exact like Asian female like submissive 
type of vibe that people <laughs> like and it's weird because it's not even it's just it's a it's a it's just a product behavior of literal patriarchy um me and kayla are both the oldest eldest child and then eldest daughter in both of our mm-hmm. immediate families and at one point in our lives we just kind of like i can't even speak we took up the role of some sort of either parental figure or just some, you know, do- it's like a dominant member of the household, but we're children. And we yeah. know a lot of people, it is not an uncommon thing, which is the issue. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, because and no, we should have been mothers to... before 18 yeah. years old. <laughs> um, Editor Alina here, just to clarify what me and Kayla are talking about in this moment. So, this idea that a lot of Asian American girls and Asian girls probably in general who have to take up kind of this sec third or second parent role in their family, it's something I more or less witnessed a lot from a lot of other girls that I know um, who've grown up this way, having to take care of their family as if they were the adult. However, specifically specifically for me, um, I only really grew up with my younger brother who was special needs and it wasn't until I my step family came to the picture where it was more that same idea but for me when I'm saying that I'm relating to this it's more on the fact that like I had to grow up quicker and fast enough so that I could take care of myself like I was the child that I was caring for so that I didn't have to worry my parents so that they could take care of my brother. And I'm not sure if this is specifically like an Asian thing or it's just a me thing. Um, but for me, I associate the two together because it uses the same type of skills and roles and stereotypes um, that the patriarchy like produced in me. And so then that is how I connect to it. Um, For Kayla, she kind of goes, you know, explains it. But I just wanted to preface that, that it's not very traditional for me in in that sense that I had like an actual whole ass family to care for, like some people. But I understand the idea that it's kind of like becoming an adult figure in your family because you are the oldest daughter. It means a lot to know, like, how the eldest daughter plays a role in, like, our society. I would argue that the oldest daughter in a family is the backbone of the family. Yeah. All across the globe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it works in other countries, but in America, I feel like, I don't know, the oldest daughter usually holds a lot of responsibility, and... Mm. I'm going to talk specifically about Asian slash POC households because I know a lot of POC slash immigrant households, it's a very strict household, typically. Like, stereotypically, I know I grew up in a pretty strict household. Oh, my boyfriend texted me. (laughs) He says he misses me. (laughs) Okay, basically, like, I don't know. Specifically, just the way... The family dynamic works like it without the daughter there it doesn't because like I hold the responsibility to basically take care of my siblings um do my chores keep my room tidy mm-hmm. keep the house like 
tidy in general, do all the cleaning if my mom is busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm basically my father's second wife in the family. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's how the dynamic works because I'm taking care of his child and I am Mm -hmm. working when my mom isn't working. Like if my mom isn't cleaning, I'm cleaning. And like, it's an unfair advantage. Like, I guess it'd be different if like my brother has a disability. So obviously he doesn't do much like when Mm -hmm. it comes to chores and stuff, because you know, Mm -hmm. he can't, I, like, I recognize that, but even in other family dynamics, like, I feel like the oldest daughter, or just, like, daughters in general, have so much more to do, and are given so much more to do, like, than sons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, okay, have you seen this? It's, like, always around the end of Thanksgiving, but it's always, like, I saw this for the trend, like, Mm, 2020, of, like, videos of people, of, like, girls showing videos post-Thanksgiving, and they're all, like, look at these fucking guys, just like how come like it's like they they get called all the girls get called to clean up and then all the guys are just lounging around because they're not Mm -hmm. expected to like help out like do anything and it just makes me feel Mm -hmm. like so weird because I know we talk we like talk about the patriarchy a lot like it's a very at least amongst our generation it yeah no, Alina and I talk about, like, really heavy issues a lot, like it's a nothing. We talk about, <laughs> like, <laughs> we talk about, like, systematic racism and the patriarchy, how one would speak casually about what color nail polish they got, which we do as well. But mm. I don't know. It seems very foreign to me just because of how progressive, like, we are as people. And, like, obviously, I recognize some patriarchal aspects in my own family and I can see how my parents got that but it's never as bad as what I see in like some videos of men literally just watching football after eating Thanksgiving dinner and they don't help at all like if I have like a really big family gathering on Thanksgiving obviously we haven't had one in a while we didn't have one last this past year at least because of corona but mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of cousins I have, like, 30 cousins. They're first cousins, too. So a lot of different genders mixed in there. And for my grandparents, it's, like, the gender roles are swapped. Like, my grandpa does all the cooking. He Mm. does all the cleaning, basically, because I think my grandma, Mm -hmm. like, has a bad back. And my grandpa's just healthier in general when -hmm. it comes to that stuff. He has more energy. But still, he's in the kitchen with all the other women, basically Mm -hmm. his son's wives, like, all my aunts are in the kitchen with my grandpa, and it's just odd to me, like, how my grandpa could be progressive enough to do that, but his sons aren't, aka my uncles and my dad. The thing is, my mom, like, she hated it. She hated um, going into the kitchen with all of my aunts um, and just cooking, cleaning, And while my Mm -hmm. uncles and my dads, like, played cards and drank beer. And it's, like, I was little, so all the cousins get to run around and have fun while the moms are slaving in the kitchen to prepare this (laughs) grand feast that, like, none of the kids will even eat because we're just too busy having fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's just odd to me because in my mind, that kind of patriarchal aspect is so far from my family 
like in my mind I'm like oh Mm. my like my dad isn't sexist like my family isn't sexist we're not like like that we have progressed but have we have we really like are we that different from other families when it comes to the patriarchy yeah yeah that's something I guess like to digress to it's like both me and Kayla do not are are not the typical Asian household or story and so I think that's what makes it even weirder that we still like either have experienced something like this even in a non like very non very not traditional sense of this Asian patriarchal household and we know exactly how it feels or have witnessed it it's like I don't know yeah for me I only have another technically full-blooded brother who's also disabled but it's I grew up with like so many other people like I've uh, I have this one cousin family friend who is literally the oldest daughter of four, four other siblings and like a household pets. And I've literally never seen her do anything but be a mom. And she's a year younger than us. So she's a senior in high school. And it's crazy because like, as we grow up and like I watch, I just basically watch how the patriarchy kind of molds certain behaviors because it just mm-hmm. becomes a part of us, you know? Like we're just used to doing the things that we were told to do, like second nature. And then people perceive that as like a, something, you know, a part of us per se. Mm-hmm. And like it feeds into then the stereotype of, yeah, like the Asian, the female Asian submissive type that will do all the things for you, that won't talk back to you. And because technically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in a way it really ties in with like mm, I really just forgot what I was gonna say (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know just um how okay how we're perceived in society like Asian women and like I know that I'm like kind of a people pleaser and like I feel like Alina can be too but like that's only when I see her around like her parents like obviously Mm. we're trying to please our parents when they ask us to do something but like in social situations where I'm not there like I don't know how Alina acts but I know sometimes I really do want to please other people and that's just the way that I was brought up like you don't want to upset your family Mm -hmm. and you don't want to disappoint them you don't want to bring them dishonor basically that's like such an Asian stereotype but it's so (laughs) cruel if you are in a traditional dynamic where your parents are both Asian and sorry Asians Mm -hmm. but yes in this dynamic both your parents are Asian and Mm -hmm. you're an Asian child and Mm -hmm. typically like I don't know how it like my both of my parents are immigrants, but they basically grew up here. Like they both have American accents. I don't know what the dynamic the dynamic is probably much more cutthroat for kids whose like parents immigrated much later in life because yeah. they saw a much harsher view of the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but what I wanna say is just how normalized it is to like treat your kids a certain way because it was better than how you were treated as a child basically like I don't know Mm -hmm. I feel like Asian parents can 
have abusive tendencies that they think are loving Mm -hmm. and this can come through and like yelling at you like profusely because you got a bad grade and like they're saying Mm -hmm. like oh I'm doing this because I want to motivate you because I know you can do better and that's Mm -hmm. really harmful in the future especially like I saw this like in an article about how children are conditioned in the future and like how parenting can really mold a person's personality and basically the article talked about um I don't remember where it's from but it talks about how when parents ask a child like their kid to do something they always expect them to do it right away and that is just not realistic like a parent will get mad like for example my mom will get mad if I don't do something immediately after she asked me Mm -hmm. to do it like if she's like oh go vacuum and I'm like okay I will and I don't do it within like a minute she vacuums and she does it angrily and (laughs) like (laughs) the article basically talked about how in the future that will teach the child that when they need something they will expect someone else to drop everything they're doing for them and I think that like Mm. ties into a lot of like relationships and friendships like when we're teenagers because when we're young that's what we've all that's the only thing we've known because we still live with our parents and we expect people to like drop everything they're doing just to help us do this like with this personal thing regardless of what the other person is doing Mm-hmm. And I feel like that dynamic exists a lot in Asian families. And, you know, I just hate the idea. Like, my mom does this. And, like, it's very sweet. And I love it. But Asian parents need to learn how to communicate their feelings instead of bringing us cut up fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's fine. Like, you're apologizing by doing that. But I feel like it would be much more healthy for people Mm -hmm. to just, I don't know, especially it means a lot from your parents to apologize to you after they've hurt you. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing with a lot of Asian families, or especially Asian parents, their pride, like, won't let them, like, admit they're wrong. Yeah. and that's not even with asian parents that's just with parents in general i think that it's just (laughs) it just sucks because the way like parents treat us now like i specifically gen z i feel like a lot of gen z have a lot of shared stories because all of our parents pretty much grew up the same way and all they said was i don't want to be like my parents like, sure, you're better than your parents, but you're, like, traumatizing your kids in a whole new way, basically, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you don't want them to hurt the way you hurt, but I think, I'm not even a parent, but I think the biggest issue with a lot of kids, or a lot of parents, is they always grow up to be the parent that they wish they had when they were growing up, Mm -hmm. and that's not really necessarily the parent that your child needs, and then mm-hmm. if your child is ungrateful, then the parent gets upset and they just call you ungrateful, basically, and say that, like, oh, if I had a mother like me or a father like me when I was growing up, I would have loved it. 
And I think that's a big yeah. issue just, like, in society in general because I know a lot of kids now, they're like, oh, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm going to be fun. I'm going to be the f- cool mom. And oh, it's gosh. like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just a pattern that I see that goes wrong in every generation. Yeah. To be what you didn't have. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. anything to your future kids who aren't you. Yeah. <laughs> Like, obviously, I want to, like, mold my parenting style around the type of child I have. Like, the type of parent, like, I wish I had. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Did I, like, do I even wish I had a parent, honestly? (laughs) Like, growing up, I feel like, I don't know. This is a lot to delve into, like, my personal story. But Mm -hmm. I feel like growing up both Alina and I obviously we just spoke about how we held a lot of responsibility in our households because we were the oldest kids specifically the oldest daughters and with like the patriarchal aspects I feel like I was left out of the conversation a lot in my Mm. house I guess like my parents would make decisions like about me without asking me about them (laughs) it'd be like I don't know. It's kind of just like I wasn't really there. Like, Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. they wanted, like, a perfect family, I guess. And my younger brother is disabled. And I feel like, oh, he's a a son in an Asian family, which means a lot. Specifically in my family, because I'm Hmong. And Hmong people love their sons. And just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It hurts sometimes because, you know, no one really, like, in Asian families, like, no one wants girls. Yeah. I think we've talked about this so much that I literally bring this up all the time, but quite literally, like, the eldest Asian daughter basically holds the response. She has to, bur- she's burdened with the spot responsibility she's expected to, except like a male son. But she'll never get the same benefits or respect an an eldest mm-hmm. male son would get. It's it's all yeah. bad, only no good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like I was treated like that growing up too. Like my grandparents would be like, "Oh, she's so smart. She's so athletic. If only she was a boy, like yeah. she would be mm-hmm. so popular. Like if only I was a boy, I would be the best at everything." Yep. If it's yeah, because it it's just it's just what it is, you know. And it's like not like something we can like necessarily do about. Which like I can already imagine like people being like, like suck it up. (laughs) (laughs) The issue is because it's quite literally just a part of the culture, and so then you can't. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't have one without the other, and it sucks. So because we just live it because it's just a part of our lives it's not like we had a choice and and it's just weird (laughs) in the end like it's weird (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just like it hurts it like cuts deep when you grow up and you realize like you don't mean anything as a human being because people will only ever see you as a woman Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the way people in our society i mean american society and where we live 
like obviously women are oftentimes viewed as objects especially in rape culture and mm-hmm. just how men perceive the female body in overall mm-hmm. mm, I don't know it just when I was young I always wished that like I was a boy not in like a way where I wish I like I am a boy just like I mm-hmm. wish I could have the benefits that a boy had like I wish I could like Alina and I talked about this recently not on a recording but like I wish I could be smart in the way a man is smart mm-hmm. I wish I mm-hmm. could be funny in the way a man is funny I wish people would yeah. perceive me the like my traits the way they perceive a man because I'm very extroverted I'm really outgoing but when a woman is outgoing they see that as like flirtatious or like yeah. really obnoxious like yeah i don't know flirty yeah just not really the best traits to align with a person i guess like not mm. there's nothing wrong with being flirty but when there's no yeah. intention of being flirtatious it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. and like i don't know especially in the sports world like i'm not like that athletic but I just know that like female athletes are treated so differently from male athletes. Yeah, and dude. It's just, it sucks, the way women are treated in this country. And I know like if, if the locals find this podcast, <laughs> they're gonna get upset and they're gonna say, "Oh, men have struggled. Men have problems too. Men get raped too. Men get assaulted too. Men." like cry too and it's like you're only saying that in response to women's issues which means nothing if you're not actually actively standing up for men's issues the way women are for women's issues you're only saying that in response because we're trying to stand up for ourselves basically yeah mm-hmm. and like uh... oh you go I was just gonna say like if people really need a basic understanding of like what we're trying to talk about it's literally there's a clip of Taylor Swift saying this but it's quite literally the same it's just a different perception just because we're women like a man can Mm -hmm. be assertive but when a woman's assertive that's bitchy or you know Mm -hmm. or like when a man is strategic um it's like you know it's strategic Mm -hmm. but if a woman is strategic that's like um What's it called? Ah, she said a different word and it worked. Oh, that's, um, I just lost it again. I just lost it. But it's basically, <laughs> like, just such this, like, misogynistic mm-hmm. and, like, negative connotation that just comes with being a woman in the eyes of, like, just, like, to the rest of the society. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's we bad. can't do anything without being ridiculed for it. It's Yeah, oh, my gosh. Especially recently with TikTok culture. And, like, mm-hmm. a lot of girls experimenting with their looks, like, the e-girl look, cottagecore, like, I don't know, what's another one? Soft girl aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like, people will call anything basic just because a lot of girls are interested in it, and it's, like, popular mm-hmm. at the moment. Like, especially with, like, mm-hmm. the indie phase or, like, kidcore clothes, mm-hmm. if you know what that means. It's, like, indie slash kidcore. Like, people, it's, like baggy jeans little shirt girl like that's the name they have for it mm-hmm. and people are like oh that's so basic like everyone dresses like that as if every man in the world during the summertime doesn't wear nike shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
Uh, it's just know. the world we live in. Especially, like, since you brought up Taylor Swift, it's the way people perceive Taylor Swift versus Ed Sheeran. They both yeah. write about the same things. They're both writing about romantic love songs. Taylor's mm-hmm. recently changing up her music, talking mm-hmm. more about, like, herself and, like, I don't really know. I didn't listen to her last album that much, but it was good <laughs> when I first listened to it. Yeah. Um, it's just like people like say things like the way society perceives stereotypical things women should like. And the reason why like like men like or the society believes like you should hate like girly or feminine things it's because these things were made for women yeah they don't function Mm -hmm. for other people other than people who enjoy feminine things and obviously Mm. met a lot of men stereotypically might not like feminine things like Mm -hmm. i don't know washing their face yeah like sorry I just had a stomach. I just had like a stomach growl, and I lost my thought. This is a You're mess. Fine. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I just think that as a society, we need to move on from this foolishness. Sexism yeah. is so twenty twenty. It is twenty twenty one. So Ugh. let's move on. Oh God. <sighs> okay. That was a pretty, <laughs> that flowed pretty well because we hit a lot of things we want to talk about. We but, did. Um, oh, Ooh. I found the word, by the way. Hold on. What is it? Um, to finish Taylor Swift's like little quote from this clip, but it's like, yeah, a man can be assertive, but if a woman's assertive, she's bitchy. A man can be strategic, but if a woman's, if a woman's strategic, it's calculated. You know, like it's mm. malicious somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's because she's right, and she's talking like specifically with the music industry, which I can't imagine the misogyny that exists mm-hmm. in American music. But yeah, like I don't know. When I first heard her say that, it made me sad, <laughs> and I was like, I "She's know. right." <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift always speaks facts. Okay, all I have to say is I love Taylor Swift. If she ever listens to this podcast, I'm the number one Swifty. Okay, I went to your concert when I was nine. Moving Heck on. Yeah. What I want to talk about next, it's mm. on our list of things. I want to move into it. Um, We could talk about, okay, I want to talk about why so many Gen Z Asian Americans have American first names. I was going to say I want to oh. talk about the last thing on our list, but since we just talked about how like asian aspects work in our lives i think it'd be cool Mm. to talk about this like Mm. i don't know when you think about it there are so many asian kids our age like like gen z like from 2000s kids basically that have american first names like i my name's kayla and i am mong alina's vietnamese and her name is alina like Mm -hmm. we obviously both have ethnic names um preserved preserved (laughs) reserved only for ourselves we were given these Mm -hmm. names with like for our family for ourselves i guess but Mm -hmm. in a professional sense the only reason like my parents didn't want to give me like my legal name to be like my ethnic name it's pung cha Mm -hmm. for the people that want to know um (laughs) like 
it's harder to get a job with an ethnic name, especially yeah. Asian names. You're less likely to get a job if you have an ethnic or hard to pronounce first name. I know my dad, he has um he has his ethnic name or like his real name, his non-American name as his legal name on his American passport. And my mom, she changed her name when she was really young to her American name. And I feel like it does a lot when it comes to finding a job or like just mm -hmm. working in America, like finding a job like as a cashier even, yeah. or just like being in school. Like I can't imagine how other Asian kids felt when their first names were mispronounced because people would pronounce my name as like young and it's like you know like it's four letters you know it's not really that hard <laughs> I feel like like I understand there are some like ethnic Asian names that are very hard to pronounce like it can yeah. be intimidating but like Yang really like that's the one you mispronounce I don't know it's odd to me <laughs> But, I don't know. That is all I really want to talk about for that. I just thought it'd be fun to bring it up just because it's a dynamic that a lot of people don't really talk about, you know? Mm. I don't know. The it's... Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't even know. Cut you off. <laughs> no, you're good. The whole, the whole naming thing is this literally just the first step of, like, a simulation like to mm -hmm. the western society and it's like a step that it's a part of our lives it's really our first step except we didn't make the step which is even mm -hmm. weirder if you think about it it's like almost it's weirder it can be good or bad whichever way you want to perceive it but i think it mm. sucks that our parents like before we were born i had to think about our life and how they could make it easier for us from day yeah. one yeah and this isn't oh. even just about Asians, but, like, I know I don't really know, like, the dynamic for other people of color and, like, first names. Like, I know a lot mm -hmm. of black people, like, they take their last names, or, like, at least black people whose, like, ancestors were slaves, or, like, mm -hmm. their family, people in their family were slaves. Their last names came from like, their plantation owner, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't really know yeah. how, like, the Latino, like, family dynamic is or how they name their kids. But mm -hmm. I feel like Asian names in general, like, they're so different. Like, I feel like a lot of white people will name their kids, like, I don't know, Rosa or Maria, which are, I think, stereotypical Latino names. But, like... I don't know what's a really asian name that like i don't know um like ling ling okay. that's like kind of yeah a slur, that's but yeah mm -hmm. it's oh, just man. <laughs> i think we're feeling kind of tired this evening <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little bit slower but it's okay it's like a different next time next week it'll be in the morning a better vibe but mm -hmm. I don't know like I'm I thinking about what you're saying and like it's true because yeah like no western person would name their child like an Asian name unlike what you just said but at the same time I'd be like what the fuck are you doing like do not take 
<laughs> you ain't about to be taken the names as well. <laughs> okay, something that's so odd to me is like white people or like specifically k-pop fans yes we're on the k-pop analogy again mm. white women naming like their kids like after k-pop idols yeah like, that's i weird. saw this woman name her son jungkook like honey what are you doing that is just, uh, just the only time it's acceptable odd. if you were like if you it's only acceptable i'd like to say for a non-korean to be named a Korean name, and if if you literally live in Korea, because <laughs> mm-hmm. then it's the same yeah. thing as like us taking like Western names, living in the West, even though we're not white. But mm-hmm. I don't know if your kid is born in Ohio and you name him Park Jimin. I don't know <laughs> what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, it's just giving off really bad vibes. Like you have so many names. The white people have col- the whites have colonized everything. Like, do you have to take our names that you bullied us for too? Yep. Yeah. And that kind of has to go in with like cultural appropriation of like Asian culture. Like, you only want the good parts of this culture. Like, I see a lot of like specifically white girls from our high school that weren't the nicest to us, who are like fans of anime and like K-pop. Yeah. And it's yeah. like. You only like it in as an idea, but you don't like it in practice. Like yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's weird. It's just it's weird. It's like being it's like your bullies trying to be friends with you after terrorizing you and your family <laughs> for decades. Like what are we supposed to do? Just be like, oh yeah, you dandy, like <laughs> friends with the oppressor. <laughs> but. Um, no, I understand yeah. that completely. <laughs> I think <sighs> the best, I I just had it and I completely lost it. But um, oh, it's like okay, I can already see like people debating on like, like you know, but what if that's cultural appreciation? And I was like, but there's a fine line and between those two the things. Thing, yeah, and, the thing about cultural appropriation and a cultural appropriation appreciation is actually knowing what the culture is about like yeah just wearing like a kipao i don't know if i pronounced that right because i'm not chinese but mm. like just wearing a kipao with that is really sexualized that's not cultural appreciation because you don't even know what that means to chinese culture like especially yeah. with like black culture i feel like black culture is appropriated a lot more it's normalized in our society almost and yeah. like I don't know. They have a reason to be angry about cultural appropriation. I guess any person of color has a reason to be angry about cultural appropriation. Yeah. But, like, for example, um, like, white women getting, like, black, like, stereotypically black hairstyles, which are, like, I don't know if it's called box braids. They're called cornrows, but some people call them box braids. I'm not really sure yeah. what the difference is, but I know a lot of like white women who do get cornrows and stuff they do it for the aesthetic but when black girls do it it's like ghetto and it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know it sucks when these things that were made for your culture like cultural clothing for asians and hairstyles for black people like it sucks Mm -hmm. when white people and make it their own and they're like it's cool when they do it versus when we do it like we're criticized for it yeah yep 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 
it's just like unfair like that's all there really is to it and like uh like people are arguing me like yes okay we are pretty this is a pretty liberal top like you know point of view and for good reason like we are literally women <laughs> and we are also not white <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. so like what did you expect whoever rando is listening to this and like about to like pop off on us and like be okay. like suck it up or like oh, I why can't i really... do the fox eye trend <laughs> yeah i haven't really talked to alina about this but there's this one girl that i follow on instagram maybe if this gets big i'll send her the podcast and let her know i'm shouting her out but she always, she's oh, a communist shit. She posts a lot of stuff about communism, and I took a sociology class last quarter, and I learned <laughs> a lot more about communism and just how oddly perceived it is in the American eye, and mm-hmm. it's not as bad as one would think. Okay, yes, I did have to read the Communist Manifesto as an assignment, and it really oh, opened so my funny. eyes <laughs> politically and socially just because of, I don't know, how politics run in america and just worldwide i guess like obviously communism doesn't work for a lot of countries because of how dictators perceive communism and how they want to achieve it i guess yeah but those were just my little my little rant about how my political spectrum might be leaning somewhere else but Mm. i definitely am not conservative i will never be conservative that's it yeah (laughs) um i don't know i mean oh god just just want to throw this in there but yeah conservative okay it's like of course everyone is not the same and um you know people are going to be like oh you only like people who have the same beliefs as you and i was like for a reason um, because it's not like you, you hypothetical person I'm talking to, like aren't aren't the same way, you know. I think mm-hmm. of like uh, what's that girl? I don't know. It's like the Korean girl on TikTok who was like a Republican Trump supporter, and like everyone mm-hmm. couldn't tell if she was being satirical or not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just like she genuinely was, and I don't know. There's probably so many factors, but it's weird. It's weird to see, like, someone who looks and probably maybe experience, you would assume so much like you, but, like, no, like, not at all. (laughs) The only difference is the community and environment you're in. Like, Like, I feel really bad for, like, kids of color who grow up, like, seeking white validation, like it yeah. really sucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I never went through that phase, but I'm sure like I can empathize and know how you feel because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to be like that's not true. I did want to be white at one point, but my white validation didn't go so far as to disrespect myself, basically. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Like I wanted to be white. I wanted to have pretty white friends and be skinny and tan like all of them except I am tan because I'm Asian but like tan in the way a white woman is tan you know like yeah my tan is you know I'm Asian I have yellow skin tones but I don't know just everything about this is the same way like men and women are perceived in our culture it's like white women and every other type of woman like, white women are the standard. And it kind of mm-hmm. sucks in that way, too. Like, 
you know, we can't really win, but that's okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, you know, yeah. it kind of sucks just knowing, like, if I ever date a white person, like, I'm not their type or I'm totally their type and they are fetishizing me, which kind of mm-hmm. is scary. I have a white boyfriend, so. <laughs> just throwing that um, out there. <laughs> yeah, just throwing that out there. Um, for us, it's the first one. Not the second one. <laughs> okay. You know what? If he's listening, let him listen. It hurts knowing that every single girl he's ever liked has been blonde and white and skinny. Oh. Yeah. And I am like... none of those things. Oh, so. bugs. Uh, oh, yeah, those are literally my favorite TikToks when it's, like, um, it's clearly a POC girl making it and be, like, <sighs> when he likes blonde girls with, like, blue eyes. And then the response video is her, is her being, like, I wasn't talking to you white girls with brown hair, okay? That's not the same thing. Okay, brunette, white, <laughs> white brunette women think they are oppressed. <laughs> and it's so funny when, like... Olivia Rodrigo came out with her driver's license video, and it was like, I bet you're out with that blonde girl or something. Like, that was the lyric. Mm. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, she was a blonde girl. And the person saying that would literally be, like, a ginger white person. Like, our struggle is not the same. Just telling you that. Yeah. I mean, oh, this is also something, but... no, you can't be racist to white people. Like the oppressor can mm-hmm. literally not be oppressed. I don't understand how conceptually that isn't understood by so many people. Because literally, it's not like, and this is also really sad. It's not like anything we're saying though is going to hurt the any okay. white person or white community. The only person ever. The only white people that are offended. If you're white and you're offended, you are the problem. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say because. <laughs> I feel like white allies, their white guilt gets to them. They are so apologetic for things they haven't even done. It's their ancestors. It's other white people. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry for my race. No, honey, you need to educate them. Don't apologize to me for something you didn't do. Yeah, it's that's just... also something. <laughs> also, just like white allies. Oh, this is another bullet point on our list that I really want to get to. The phenomenon of white girl activism. And this really came like full circle with the Black Lives Matter movement. And just, I don't know. What were you going to say? <laughs> um, I don't know. We can finish this thought, but we're actually like, we're pretty over an hour. I'm like adding up the minutes mm-hmm. from this one and our last two cuts. So yeah, whatever yeah. like you want the last topic to be. And then we can wrap it up, bro. Oh, okay. Okay. So, the phenomenon of white girl activism, um, it has a lot to do with being a white ally, and an ally is just a person that aligns with a marginalized group and supports them in any way they can, basically. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the direct definition, but that's a basic definition, and the thing about white allies is, I feel like they're very aggressive with their activism and the reason why yeah. i labeled it white girl activism i think it might be a like a token term that people have also used it's also used affirmative yeah. activism like the thing about teenage girls who live in the suburbs who are activists it's <laughs> they're they're 
supporting movements that don't affect them and that's fine it's fine to be an ally of a movement that you know not like that you have not experienced the pain and tragedy from it mm-hmm. but they don't really get how tragic it is i don't think mm-hmm. like it's not enough to say hello kitty says a cab you know it's not enough to just post on your instagram story black lives matter it's not enough to put on your instagram story like oh love heals racism kills like i don't know some stupid aesthetic quote that you found on instagram like the thing that really sucks about like this performative activism that i feel like a lot of girls from our school not even girls like other like a lot of kids from our school high school Mm -hmm. specifically like they actively participate in performative activism without realizing it because like sure you can sign a like you can sign a petition you can donate money which is great you should be doing those things you shouldn't just be posting on your instagram about it but like do you really know what these things have done to a community like do you really know how tragic it is for the black community in america with police brutality do you really know like how tragic it is for us like as asian americans to see like how we were treated with the coronavirus outbreak like in america and like obviously recently there's been a lot of like attacks against elderly asian americans and Mm -hmm. like it's not enough to like post on your instagram about it like you need to be actively learning about it and i think it's odd to me that people haven't been doing this for years like yeah i know that recently a lot of people have been like oh support black movies support black voices like you weren't all already doing that the thing that's odd to me is that like up until recently people i know like weren't listening to other stories except for their own they were only paying attention to white history and white movies mm-hmm. and white stories and it's like you never cared enough to learn about your friend's stories specifically yeah. mine as an asian american and i don't know like the thing about white allies especially like this can work in like any way like black lives matter like the lgbtq community like a straight Mm -hmm. ally to the lgbtq community it's different from supporting a group like i feel like these allies who participate in performative activism believe that they will be hate crimed simply for supporting a certain movement that gets a lot of hatred i guess Mm -hmm. like white girls who are like oh just i'm wearing a black lives matter shirt um to school hope i don't get hate crimed that is not what hate crime means (laughs) like you're just gonna get attacked that's not a hate crime (laughs) like it's very different like you know from like being a person of color and you get hate crime like you can't take off your skin like you can take off your shirt to avoid being hate crimed (laughs) the thing that sucks about white people being unable like white people want to be oppressed so bad because they want people to feel bad for them yeah what what do i have to feel bad for you about you've Mm -hmm. never suffered systematically you've suffered because of your personal life not because you live in a society that wasn't built for you yeah preach it's 
like I no one likes to be called no one likes to be the antagonist or the oppressor no but it's just what it is to be the bad guy but you know white people sometimes are a little sus <laughs> sometimes I feel like when I'm walking down the street and I see a white person, I'm afraid someone's going to spit at me or someone's going <laughs> to throw something at me. Yeah, it's a very different world when you're POC, let's simply put. Um, but yeah, um, it's been a long hour and a half. Um, we have a lot of material it's a very different vibe from the first podcast, and it'll probably be a really different vibe from my next podcast. Um, but, but thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just like a little fun fact, but if you want to learn something, Google Scramble of Africa, <laughs> and you will understand historically why we can talk about things like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, if you want um, to learn more, we will provide you with resources if we actually get a fan base (laughs) so good night that is all that is all okay good bye ashley thanks for listening (laughs) (laughs) bye ryan thanks for listening